Welcome back to the 15 on the 15, our bite-sized book club featuring podcasts designed to help you digest short articles, no more than 15 minutes of reading required. This 15-minute recipe for success is a pinch of insightful reading and a dash of engaging discussion that blends research and best practices in the classroom. My name is Jennifer Dees, and I am one of the coordinators of the English as a New Language program here at the University of Notre Dame. I am joined today by our program director, Katie LaShawn. Hi. And a longtime friend and outstanding math instructor, Megan Cusider. Thank you for having me. We're so happy you joined us today. During our podcast today, we're going to revisit the article that we shared last month, but with a new twist. In the article, the authors focused on science education related to English language learners. But they also integrated training that focused on math instruction, as math is innately intertwined with science. So we're going to use the article as a springboard to discuss math instruction further. And for this, we brought in Megan, who's just an outstanding math instructor. Let's go ahead and jump right in. <laughs> Megan, we sometimes hear that math is a universal language. How do you feel about this statement? So uh, when I think about this statement, I think about um, one of the first things that jumps to mind is that the, um, especially from an educational standpoint, is that um, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics actually have identified um, communication as one of the, what they call process standards. So they have several process standards that um, work across all of the content standards. So it's important to communicate mathematically whether you're doing number and operation or geometry or data analysis or whatever type of content. Um, and specifically, you know, one of the things that students in math classrooms hate to hear is that you need to show your work. But really, um, what that is, is it's teaching them communication. It's saying you need to have other people be able to follow your process, um, to be able to follow what it is that you're thinking and understand it yourself in order to communicate that. Um, so one of the things that makes um, math an interesting topic to communicate about is that we do use um, more than words in order to communicate. So students are expected to use calculations, to use data, to use graphs, to use tables and charts. Um, and that really makes it a, a different skill than merely writing a paragraph with a topic sentence and supporting details. You have to refer these to these other representations um, and rely on your calculations being clear and being a way to communicate with others. Absolutely. That's really interesting for our English language learners, too. We speak a lot in ENL about the four domains. So we speak a lot about the importance of communication in the ability to listen and to understand, to speak and to read and to write. Um, but what I'm hearing you say, too, is all of those things are part of math communication, but also they're going to see that in multiple different ways. And so it's not just the phonetic letters, it's symbols and it's being able to use that. Um, and I think sometimes we don't think about that. We just think that they're numbers and if our children know their numbers, then then kind of the language piece is taken care of. And I've noticed as a parent a big push in math education where my daughters are coming home with worksheets that have very few problems on them, but involve a lot of, of explanation, both orally to me as a parent and then that develops into writing. And so I'm just curious, can you maybe elabor elaborate a little bit more on how you support that language in the math classroom and what it looks like to help kids better be able to use and interpret interpret um, the things that they're interacting with? Absolutely. So um, 
I think one of the biggest things is for teachers to be very um, explicit and precise and sophisticated with the language that they use. Um, so one of my examples that I always use is, um, and this goes with, we tend to think of math as this plug and chug subject where, oh, it's completely different from these subjects that require a lot of explanation and a lot of, um, a lot of words, frankly. Um, so if you walk into a classroom and saw five plus eight written on the board, um, you would have a lot of students who would say that there's an answer to that. And I would say that teachers need to be a lot more um, sophisticated in using words other than answer here. Because frankly, five plus eight, there's no question. So there's no answer. So if we talk about five plus eight and we call it a way of expressing a quantity, we talk about it as a sum, we talk about it, um, we say, what is the question that's associated with this? And maybe the question is, what is the sum? Maybe the question is, what's another way of expressing this? Maybe the question is, um, what is a problem that I would need, that would involve adding five and eight in order to come up with an answer to a problem that has a question with it? Um, because we do tend to just talk a lot about problem and answer when, frankly, five plus eight is a problem for nobody. You can't see us nodding, but we're <laughs> completely <laughs> nodding. Um, it's an interesting way of absolutely yeah. looking at it and one that I don't feel like I've thought about enough for all of our mm -hmm. students, not just our English language learners, yeah. um, but really for all of our students. So I, I've always appreciated that you kind of um, shattered my perception of things as a teacher to think about that as, well, that is a math problem. This is a problem. And truly, it's not. It's just a statement. It's, it's a way of expressing a quantity. And absolutely. to give students the word express and to give them quantity and to give them lots of experience hearing those words, but then maybe also have them up on your, you know, have a word wall in your classroom. A math Talk word wall. This. Listen to that. <laughs> um, say, you know, well, how can we talk about this? And give them practice doing that because using language in math is hard because we're not usually expected to do it. So students a lot of times will say, my answer makes sense because five plus eight is 13. And it's like, well, but why did you add five and eight? Like, what is it that actually makes sense about that? You're just saying, I knew I needed to add and I added and I got the right answer. Um, and so it's, it's really a process. Being able to communicate mathematically involves knowing what it is that you're trying to say in the first place. Um, and that's what makes it hard for students. So um, having a lot of opportunity, like you talked about four quadrants, um, being able to talk through it and think like, why is it that I know this? What is it that I wanna say in the first place? How can I put this in words? before we use writing or speaking as an assessment piece, you know, giving students lots of time to play with that um, and to use language to figure out what their reasoning is and then explain it. I just heard you mention something that's really interesting. How often in math do we use writing and speaking as an assessment tool? How often do we just give children problems that are purely numbers-based and let them work on them and then we kind of grade on their output. So it's an interesting idea of that, which we know to be true of, our, true of our English language learners, that typically our children are stronger in speaking, writing, they tend to struggle, um, but that, that a child can 
can be stronger in some areas and, and um, certainly have room for growth in others. So I just thought that was an interesting idea. I've also heard you talk a lot about, Megan, in the past about how to pre-teach terms um, and how to use gestures, graphic organizers. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit about Absolutely. how that all comes together? So within a unit, you probably have particular words that, you know, maybe these are the words that are going to be on your word wall, words that you want students to access and to use when they're expressing their reasoning and expressing their thinking. Um, And so to pre-teach those is going to be useful for all of your students and in a special way with your English language learners. Um, I've seen like a graphic organizer used where you have the word and you encourage students to get dictionary definition and to write it in their own words, but then to have a diagram of the word, to give examples of the word, but also really important in math is to have non-examples. So if we're talking about Um, oh, you know, a polygon, that you would have pictures of polygons, but then you would have pictures of things that are not polygons so that students can explain what it is about these non-examples that makes them non-examples. Maybe you have a gesture that goes with it. This kind of total language approach um, can give students multiple ways of accessing those words and then just giving them lots of chances to practice. You know, these are the words that were, these are the words that we've highlighted for the unit we're going to keep going back to these words throughout the unit. What word can we use? How can we include this in a sentence? And to practice using it before, you know, ultimately, sure, using writing, using speaking is a great way to assess students' understanding. But we have to make sure that they know how to approach those questions. Otherwise, they look at us like, what do you mean? Why are you asking me this? I know that that's the answer because 5 plus 8 is 13. So um, giving them a rich way to, to practice using language as they're talking about their mathematical reasoning and understanding. Absolutely, which is something, again, we talk about with our English language learners a lot, that we need to give children the language. We need to have the expectation that we're going to use it in conversation, that they're going to use it in conversation. Um, But sometimes we skip that part of front-loading and really being clear about the expectation, and then we get to an assessment piece and we're like, wait a minute, they haven't used any of these words. We're still at a kind of a basic level. One thing that has occurred to me recently um, in working with some of our English language learners in math is just how important synonyms are. So let's take the word addition or sum or add. Sometimes our English language learners will have learned it just one way. Three Mm -hmm. plus one is four. Three plus one is four. Great. Great. We're all good. Um, But the importance of synonyms and the fact that you're going to see the word Mm -hmm. plus or add in the following five to ten ways and so really expanding their language base Mm -hmm. Um, because oftentimes when a child an english language learner will learn a word we don't instinctually teach them synonyms or in your case Mm -hmm. non-examples or antonyms we don't teach them that Mm -hmm. so things can get really complicated for them when they have Mm -hmm. just a very narrow view of one operation or one word In mathematical problem solving, you run into that a lot, too, where students uh, learn to solve a word problem by looking for the keyword. So they see the word all and they say, oh, all means I have to add. Um, I saw an example in a YouTube video not too long ago where they were prompting a student to say, you know, there's a school with 295 students and a school bus seats 25. How many do we need to get all of the students transport? How many school buses do we need in order to get all students transported by school bus? And her answer was 320 buses because I saw the word all, and all means plus. And so I took 295 plus 25 and I got 320 buses. And when you ask her like, does your answer make sense? How can you explain your reasoning to me? She said, yes, my answer makes sense because 
295 plus 25 equals 320. Um, so that's where exactly giving mm. multiple ways of understanding those individual terms, that, you know, add, sum, combine. Um, it can help also with some of those more sophisticated problem solving skills um, when you give, like you said, lots of different ways of expressing the same operation. And I think you raise a really important point um, that of word problems, which I think we're going to highlight a little bit. But it's so important to make sure that our students really understand what's happening in a word problem, mm -hmm. that they can visualize it. We say it in our reading classes all the time. We want students to be able to visualize what they're reading so that it can support comprehension. But we need to think about that in math as well, because if they can't visualize what's happening in that problem with the school buses, they can't recognize that their answer doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And so we need to make sure that we're providing tools, whether it's drawing images or acting things out or just discussing discussing at length the problem itself so that our students can really comprehend um, and do that first step of saying, does my answer make sense? And then looking closer at the computation. One of the interesting things about problem solving is actually that nobody understands basic arithmetic without a problem context. So if you're talking to kindergartners and you're trying to teach two plus three, Two plus three means nothing, but I had two apples and I got three more, and now how many do I have in all? Makes sense. And then we get a few years down the road, and all of a sudden, it's hard because it's a word problem. I've stopped contextualizing. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. What suggestions would you have, if any, to a classroom teacher so that we don't hit that level? I think some of it's probably the way that the book is set up, you know, that all of the, and, and it involves the amount of work, too, and it involves us saying, like, you know, pointing out that showing your work is the rule in the math classroom and that we always do all of these problems that are just numbers. And then at the end, there are word problems. <laughs> and then at the end of the chapter is the section that's all word problems and they make you draw a picture or make a table or whatever it is. And these are all explicit ways of teaching problem solving skills. Um, but actually starting with a problem and that's actually a problem that has a question that makes <laughs> students think about like, what is it that I'm trying to do? Um, in order to, to teach the skill rather than just saying like, we're now going to drill a whole bunch of steps for how to follow these directions in the math textbook. Um, getting them to think mathematically through problem solving all along. That's a great point. And I often imagine too, that you kind of touched on this a little bit, that we often leave writing, if we're going to incorporate mm -hmm. writing in math, that's probably something people would tend to save to the end of a unit mm -hmm. or, you know, once we feel like students have these these other parts in place. Is that true? Is that best practice? Um, and then along those lines, which the article spoke about too, uh, the need to focus on content and literacy and writing as a piece of that. Um, so my long complicated question mm -hmm. would be, um, where does writing fall into this? And then why is it important to incorporate writing in math? It's important, I would say, because mathematical communication and being able to understand your own reasoning and then express it to others is important. So where does it fall? Um, I would say beginning, middle, end. So um, at the beginning of a classroom, you can incorporate writing as a regular journal prompt. Um, and this can be anything from you know, reflecting on the actual process of studying something, you know, what do you understand this better than you did yesterday? What we did yesterday? How would you explain this to a friend who was absent? Um, <laughs> what is constructed problem around the equation 
whatever it is. Um, you can incorporate it in the middle of your class. So if you're doing a lecture, if you're doing a, um, you know, walking through a process and pause in your no writing to say, okay, now everybody write two sentences to yourself. It's going to help you remember what makes a ratio different from a fraction. Um, it's a great idea. Talk, think about it, write it down, tell it to a partner, you know, to, to speak before writing or to write before speaking. Um, and ultimately, once you've used a lot of these techniques in your classroom, then use it as an assessment. Use it as a formative assessment first, eventually work it into more of your summative assessments, but realize that if you just suddenly drop this in on students as the last test question, you're not going to be too pleased with the responses that you get. And you might not see the language, exactly. the language that we're hoping that they're able to pick up. Exactly. Absolutely. That's a wonderful point. Um, is writing always words necessarily in math? No. Um, in fact, I would say that this is where um, I remember this being a in my college math classes, um, they they taught us how to explicitly write mathematically and how to incorporate your calculations in a way that was easy for someone else to follow. Um, so if someone else comes and looks at your paper, they should understand how you're thinking from line to line. Um, you know, how do you introduce with a few sentences and then include calculations and include a graph and make it clear what it is that you're referring to in each of those and then come back to writing. Um, again, I spoke earlier about the, the process standards that NCTM has identified and multiple representations um, is one as well. So being able to connect across those contexts um, is a really important part of communicating your math mathematical thinking. And as we set up writing in our classroom, I know we had mentioned sentence frames earlier. Do you have any other suggestions that teachers can use in the classroom for modeling and helping kids work through that process? Um, in terms of starting with a sentence frame with, or yeah, giving them, giving them sentence starters, giving them, um, you know, words that we're going to try to use, using your, your word wall. So a word wall or a word bank. Word reference. wall, a word bank. Um, Maybe a dictionary, math dictionaries. The glossary in the back of your math textbook that's going to, you know, teaching them explicitly how to use the bold based terms in their textbook and finding those. Um, if they have those graphic organizers that I kind of mentioned where they might have a picture, they might have an example, they might have a non-example, they might have a gesture that they've come up with around it. Um, just giving them multiple spots in their brain to access that word and communicate that word to you um, that you know, and then eventually they can get the printed word. You were speaking to ELLs. I know. 110%. Everything we want to hear, um, everything we know to be highly effective. Do you use any whole group writing instruction where you would put up a model and walk students through maybe something you've written or write something together? Or is that part of things that you've used in the classroom? Absolutely. I think that um, comparing student examples, getting students to be good at evaluating writing, um, is a good way to go with this sort of thing. So we want students ultimately to know that what they've written is something that they would judge to be good. So giving them an example of, you know, here's the way that two different students expressed their understanding of this problem. Let's read student A's and student B's um, and highlight what it is that student A did well. Maybe one of them has the math right, but it's not explained well. And one of them has, the explaining is a little bit off, but they have the math. You know, so, so noticing like, like con having the correct content is important. Um, it was easy for me to follow. They used the words that we've been talking about in class. They 
introduced it and summed it up um, and just highlighting what it is that a random student could do well. It's kind of amazing with um, how well students can edit writing that's not their own. Um, Isn't that true of adults too? <laughs> so I, I found that to be a really useful exercise. And they obviously, they could be real examples or you can just make up to examples of, you know, quote unquote student examples um, to analyze together as a class. I love that idea. I'm gonna have to work on implementing that as we move forward. Absolutely. I mean, Megan, in thinking about even summarizing Mm -hmm. what we've addressed today, um, some of my notes as we're speaking include the fact that in order to serve our English language learners in the content area of math, and probably more broadly, all of our students, um, that we should really work on multiple representations of data, that we should focus on the unique aspects and precision of the language of math, such as synonyms and just precision in our own language, and having the expectation this is part of math and then our students should know this language, they should be able to use it. Um, The importance of writing and even editing as you were indicating. Um, Even the distinction between content and language, and I know there's a word for this in math, procedural knowledge versus... Mm -hmm. Process standards and content standards. There you go. Um, But knowing that language is infused and it should be infused Mm -hmm. um, into all of those things for us. And again, the the point, too, that assessments don't just have to be kind of the problems and then the word problems at the end. But we really could think about mixing that up and incorporating the four domains. So, Megan, just a huge list of things to thank you for. Uh, Jenny, to come back to you a little bit. What does this mean for your daughter's homework? (laughs) Well, it means that I should be grateful for all those opportunities that we get to speak about the process. And then as um, the things that I can do as a parent to kind of scaffold language for her as she works to write about it. I'm also planning on sending her down the street to Megan for additional support. Um, But I just always welcome you. I'm just struck by how rich math can become when we look at it through the lens of language and by rather isolate instead of isolating language integrating it into everything we do in the math classroom really makes teaching much more powerful and enriches the process for students and contextualizes the knowledge for them as well so thank you for all these points megan if you had one piece of advice to to the the math teachers out there what would you say you can do it I think that... All teachers need to hear that. You're good. Yes. Um, I think that a lot of times teachers come in to... um, They're worried about having... That that this is the way that I was taught math. And so it's hard to teach in a way that um, isn't exactly how I was taught it. And I was taught to do all these... To do the problems. To show my work. To get the answers. Um, Know that answers can be messy. And that's okay. But even in even in math, where we're taught that we start at a clear starting point and end with a clear stopping point, that there um, is room for shades of gray and and trying to figure it out and open ended questions and messy reasoning, and, and that that's okay both for our students and for ourselves. That's beautiful advice. Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. Your insights have been incredible and helpful um, and truly enlightening. Thank you so very much. If you are passionate about ensuring that your culturally and linguistically diverse children thrive in our Catholic schools, we invite you to learn more about ENL on our website, 
enl.nd.edu. On our website, you may learn more about becoming a Hernandez Fellow. Our applications opened on October 1st, and we'd love to see you in our queue. As well, please check out our professional development opportunities, both online and at your school, as well as resources, including podcast articles and webinars. As always, if you enjoyed this month's conversation, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and to share it with a friend. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave a review for us on iTunes and let us know what topics you'd like for us to cover in future podcasts. Many, many blessings on your important work.